Thank you, Adani and Noel. I'm impressed with little Leon's longevity and his cooperation. I know I'm biased, but I think we have the best little babies on the planet. I think we're, we're leading the worldwide body of Christ in cool babies. If not in quantity, in quality. Um, well, I think I'd like to bring the kids up. Kids, come on. Come on. Oh, Culbertsons. I've, I've, I've been having like fits, not having you guys with me up here. I've had the Colbertson blues. You grew since the last time I saw you. And your muscles got bigger. <laughs> you used to not be popping out of that shirt so much. Just slow down. Yes. There's the pinner peeps. Tell you what, that is a cool necklace you got there. Well, guys, what I was just thinking about has to do with a Bible verse. Imagine that. And a song that Adani and Noel and Leon, baby Leon, just sang for us. The verse says, As the deer pants. For the water, so my soul longs for you. My soul cries out for God, the living God. My soul thirsts for you. When can I come and meet with God? You know, do you think a deer can have a conversation with a human? You think maybe? Maybe. That's true. You never know. Because one time, God caused an animal to have a conversation with a human. You remember that? You remember what the animal was? It was a donkey. Excellent answer. Accurate answer. So, if, if we're going to be theologically uh, responsible, we should not rule out a conversation with a deer. Because biblically, animals have conversed with humans, all right? But most likely, you would not go up and say, hey, Mr. Deer or Miss Doe, how are you doing today? <laughs> well, that's more like a cow or horse. <laughs> that's about all you would get. Yeah, and they'd be scampering away because they're pretty skittish, you know? They'd be scampering away beautifully and gracefully. But they probably wouldn't say, well, I, I've had a great day. I've been down by the water brook lapping up a little bit of the, the stream. I've been rubbing my antlers on the nearest sycamore tree. And I have been eating berries all the live long day. How are you today, human? They probably wouldn't say that to you, okay? But they don't need to talk. God made us the talking species. We talk, we communicate. We can express our hearts. We can tell people what's in our soul. They, they do communicate with their own kind. And they can even communicate to us like a grizzly bear. I will eat you, you know. That's right. We are uh, living creatures like the animals are. We're just uh, we're the image bearers. We're made in God's image, but we are mammals, and they're mammals. Uh -huh. So, but here's what I want to say, guys: a deer doesn't have to think too much to know it's thirsty. And the person who wrote Psalm 42 started out 
My soul longs for God like a deer longs for a drink of water. If a deer's been running all day, running away from hunters like Davy, who will smite that deer with one shot of an arrow, Davy could probably punch a deer. He's, that's, he's like done every kind of hunting. He's like, ah, I'm kind of bored with all this stuff, bow, buckshot, and everything. I'm just going to punch a deer. I'll go punch hunting. <laughs> Punting. Um, but if a deer has been running all day and running over hills and mountains, it just knows I'm thirsty. I need to drink water. And the person who wrote the psalm in there said, you know what? I'm not having to think about it too much. I just know my soul needs God. That deer doesn't just say, oh, you know what? I think I'd like to take a drink of water. It's, yeah, I'm in the mood for water. No, it's like, must have water. Other than breathing, water is the most important thing for a creature. We got to have water. A deer has to have water. We're desperate for water. We're desperate for God. So this is what I want to say to end this up right now for this little talk. You guys have a soul from God. And although you're very smart and there's all kinds of things you can think about and talk about, don't ever get too smart for this. Don't ever get smarter than this. My soul longs for God. Just like a deer wants to get a drink of water. I need God. I want God. I pant for God. All right. So let's, let's break it down today on pant. Now, hold on R- really quick. This is a little bonus or it's connected. The word pant, it doesn't just mean like one leg of this like your pants and that, that's not like not just your pant leg it, like a dog pants uh, when we say I'm panting or the deer is panting for water it's I gotta have it I, I gotta I'm desperate so I bless each one of you guys in fact I'm gonna pray it for you right now and then we'll break it down father I pray that you would awaken the pant in each of these kids that they, that no matter what else they do in life, whatever you have called them to be or to do, that it would, it would have the irreplaceable treasure of the God pant, panting for you, God. And I pray you would awaken that in every person here. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's break it down on pant. Thanks, guys. Karis, you want to inform people? I don't really have a whole lot of updates. Um, So... Our most recent on Sunday mornings is that we are still halted for the time being. So if you're wondering about it, we are currently halted on Sunday mornings. Um, So we're here for the foreseeable future. Um, Have you talked with Joe about that to confirm that? Okay. And Travis has talked with Joe. So she is on the same page. Okay, upcoming retreat. If you haven't told me yet that you're coming, please let me know. We still have, I think we had 13 rooms filled so far, and there are 21. So we've got space still. And um, we have, we do have a couple people just coming for one night. So if you can even just come for one night, we'll take you. Um, We don't have anybody who's up for coordinating food yet, so if you're up for it, let me know. If not, like I said before, it's just going to be fly by the seat of your pants eating, and it will still be great. 
so it'll be fine. But if you if you want to, if you're up for coordinating, please let me know, and that would be awesome. Um, and also, I think um, Joseph said that he's going to maybe have a little something for the kids, um, a little activity of some kind. So, Joseph, just let us know if you need, like, materials or something like that. Sheet metal. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> um and if somebody else has something also that they want to bring for that weekend for the kids at some point, that would be cool. They do have, like, gaga ball, basketball, stuff like that for the kids and for the big kids. So, um, <laughs> John Edwards happy about that. Uh, so, anyway, if you have any other questions, please text me. Let me know. Oh, for kids tonight, Jen, thank you so much for volunteering. We probably only need the two, though, because we don't have any visiting kids tonight. So, that's good. Um, I think that's it for my announcements. Is that it? Oh, still looking for volunteers and runners for the um, Wesley Waddle. That's why I'm gesturing over in this direction. Um, yeah, that's all. Yeah, just one more logistical thing regarding our meeting place. As you guys know, it, there's always been to use the word I, I used earlier, a strategic nature to where we gather, to when we gather. Um, it's just always been strategic. Um, when the, I think Karis was the one who came up the idea, like, um, what about Sunday? What about the sanctuary? So we've been exploring that for several months, and um, I don't want to move forward and because... I know what we have going here is good, and I don't want to go unless it's God, if it's good. Anyway, I'd like to bounce some more thoughts off Uncle Tim. I get to meet with Davey on Monday, a long overdue meeting for um, me and Davey. So just be in prayer that God would guide us to the the place he wants us. I know he will, um, but I just wanted to let you know again, that's where we are. Um, you want to go now? Kids, you can go. I release you. Go play. I um, I had just a number of thoughts coming to my mind. Uh, Again, with the strategic nature of these meetings, I really have felt like our our posture is just to be really open-handed tonight again. Um, There's a chance that Sue's friend from Kenya will be here uh, next week. He's going to be in the States. He's going to be in Kentucky. But um, whether he's actually here or in another part of the state on next Saturday, still up in the air but if he's here we're going to have a little slice of Kenya um, on top of our normal Kenya allotment we're going to have this man from Kenya share his heart with us Um, so that would be awesome I look forward to that if if that's what God has Um, but tonight um, before I go there this I want to just say again how grateful I am to what's going on for what's going on in people's homes um, and need to come to the to Smith and Bard gathering because uh, it's been too long since I've been but uh, was recently at the Johnson home and it was just so good for me personally and Uncle Tim was testifying again today at the prayer meeting about how God has just been so present um, Laura was testifying about her getting prayer there and feeling the power of God uh, touch her and and um, minister physical healing to her. Um, so uh, it is just 
such a blessing to see how God is moving amongst us. And the ladies' home church uh, that Karis is facilitating has been such a blessing. Um, not that I've ever been, but uh, <laughs> I hear laughter coming up from my basement for two and a half hours. And I start praying, oh, God, let them be spiritual and serious. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I, really, uh, I really am encouraged by the meetings. Um, Karis is always energized um, and just grateful. And I always just feel so good in my spirit about the meetings. I just like, I feel like a peace, um, an increase of God's peace when the meeting's going on, even though I'm not anywhere near the ladies' home church. Um, and yeah, and when I just sh- saw some of the, the ladies showing up the other night to go to uh, um, the Karis's banquet instead of their normal uh, church meeting, they went to this uh, fundraising banquet. And I saw the ladies out there dressed up going, I'm like, this is just such a great thing. Um, so I'm encouraged by what's going on in people's houses. And I just bless you to guys to continue um, gathering, whether it's like these weekly rhythmic things or it's just spontaneous gatherings in your homes, keep on doing it. It's biblical and it's really good. Um, Nicholas, I would like, I didn't plan on this or anything. Would you come up here for a second, please? This is Nicholas uh, Merriweather, Nick. It's full full name Nicholas. Okay, this is Nick Merriweather, and um, he is the husband of Olivia Merriweather, (laughs) formerly known as Olivia Hopper. And um, I just felt God was putting something on my heart regarding uh, your visit tonight, Um, and I think your name has something to say to us. But before that, I just wanted to give you an opportunity. I know I didn't prep you with to share anything that's on your heart anything you want old or new testament <laughs> whatever you want bro all right so since you guys know olivia both please okay well we we can we can kind of trace this so one of the main ways that god talks about his relationship with his people is through a covenant relationship so we have god establishing his covenant people brings them out of the exodus then, hi, you're my covenant people, Exodus 24, covenant ratified. Yes, they're now in a covenant relationship with God. But then for the rest of the Old Testament, we kind of have a mixed relationship at best. And so we have in the prophets, so like Hosea 1 through 3, there's been plenty of covenant infringements on the part of God's people. They have been spiritually unfaithful. They have been spiritual prostitutes, and God is just appalled by their lack of covenant faithfulness, yet he doesn't want a divorce with his covenant people. He would rather have reconciliation. And then, that's why, where's the Bible? Someone give me a Bible. (laughs) Yeah. Where's Isaiah 64? Guys, I love the Bibles. <laughs> uh, it's Isaiah 61, 2. Where are we at? <laughs> Was it 61? I'm going to find it, guys. <laughs> oh, it's Isaiah 54. That's why. So n- right after the suffering servant passage, you know that, well, we can just read it since it's right here, <laughs> that surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and 
by his wounds we are healed. All throughout the book of Isaiah, God, like, basically builds up a case against Israel. He's like, you guys have done this, you guys have done this, you've treated the poor unjustly, you have turned to other gods and idols. Yet, he says, I will deal with your iniquity. Yet he doesn't really tell how the iniquity of the people is dealt with. Throughout the whole book, he keeps promising to deal with their iniquity, but when he finally resolves how he's going to do this, it's the suffering servant. It is the suffering servant who's going to bear the iniquities of his people. So like in the following verse, Isaiah 53, 6, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So, it's not only the dealing with iniquity, but there's also a restoration that the servant brings. In verse 10, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and, to, and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his offering a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After that suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and will be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great. He will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of men and, the, and made intercession for the transgressors right before this passage the Lord talks about bringing a new exodus so that's like Isaiah 52 uh, 11 through 12 and then suffering servants 52 13 until the end of chapter 53 now we get to Isaiah 54 seeing O barren woman you who never bore a child burst into song shout for joy you who labor you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her husband, than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Where'd it go? Yeah, there it is. Verse 5. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the Lord of all the earth. The Lord will call you back. As if you were a wife deserted in distress in spirit, a wife who married young only to be rejected, says your God. For a brief moment I abandoned you, but with deep compassion I will bring you back. In a surge of anger I hid my face from you in a moment. That's like talking about Israel going into exile. But with everlasting kindness I will have compassion on you says the Lord, your Redeemer. So we have a covenant people set in, there, there's no mistaking that it's intentional that a covenant relationship of which marriage is the main way it shows up in our context is one of the main metaphors that God uses to describe his relationship with us, his people. So then, what do we get in Revelation but a wedding feast. Revelation 19, 8. Blessed are all those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. I was a, a, do, writing a sermon series for a small church in McCune, Kansas, uh, when I was engaged to Olivia. And it was actually really helpful because I was doing different images that uh, are used in the New Testament to describe the church. And the last week of that sermon series, and the last sermon was on the bride. So I got to dive into that. Uh, and what happens, what, what is the new creation described like? When God makes all things new in Revelation 21, 
So if you have your Bibles, to Revelation 21. Then I saw a new earth, and a, a new heaven and new earth. For the first heaven and the whole, and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And a loud, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, "Now the dwelling of God is with men, and He will live with them. He, they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them, and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away." He who was seated on the throne said, "I am making everything new." Then he said, write, these, that, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So the emphasis, the culmination of this whole biblical image of marriage between God and his people is at the end when God makes all things new, he dwells with us. That he is their God and we are his people and we dwell with him. So, as I was re- reflecting on this, thinking about this, it really helped. Uh, <laughs> I think one of the things I'm so grateful for in our marriage is how much we thought biblically about our marriage before it even started, and has definitely blessed us. And uh, we're now married a year and three months ish. Uh, so, hallelujah. <laughs> But when you see that the ult- one of the ultimate goals in marriage, there's a, several other passages we could have gone to. But it's the enduring love and faithfulness of God to be with his people even despite their unfaithfulness to him. Yet he still makes a way for us to be with him. And he has so much compassion for us and he just wants to be with us. So there's old, there's new, there's the whole Bible, and something about Olivia. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. I was feeling bad because I was like, you know, just going to surprise the dude who's visiting and realize I was calling a sermon writer and professional exegeter. talking about ratifying covenants and whatnot. Appreciate that, man. What, what he said, um, was beautifully articulated from the 66 books, our priceless treasure from God. But, um, I think it was poignant for tonight as well. Uh, one of the things that was just in my mind before coming to the prayer meeting I said this prayer. Um, Karis and I pray this a lot when we're praying for you guys for dwelling and uh, when we're praying for Zion. And I, I pray, Lord, give us a heart for dwelling. Give us a heart for your people like you've given us a heart for our child, Zion. Uh, and I've seen how he's continued to do that. Um. But I was praying today that God would give me the heart for his bride. Um, you know, and just there's a, a unique type of love for a child. There is a unique type of love uh, a husband has for his bride and bride for her husband. But um, I just prayed that very specifically. So I think that's uh, no accident that. Nick came talking about that central and I would probably say the highest and holiest picture God gave us for his relationship with us and humans' relationship with one another. Um, And I, I really believe that God wants to unveil his husband heart for us. Um, I absolutely believe he has more, uh, 
profound revelation about his fatherly love for us. And Jesus is the friend uh, that sticks closer than a brother. And so many other things that God, he's, he's everything to us. Uh, Paul said he's our life. Um, but I, I really think the Lord wants to marry us, you know. Um, and there will be a literal, as Nick read from Revelation, there will be a literal marriage supper of the Lamb. That everyone who has said yes to the blood of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb, gets to participate. But I believe um, God's, you know, he is patient, but also he like, he's like, I am going to satisfy myself on the way to the big satisfaction. <laughs> so he is going to um, have these marriage celebrations leading up to the great one where he makes his bridegroom love so real to us and that we respond and there's this flow of bridal love, of bridegroom love. Um, and I think he wants to do that. But uh, in, in relationship to that, one of the things that I was thinking in my mind about um, Nick's name was Meriwether. And I was thinking how it is Meriwether time, you know? Um, it is time to get married, you know? It is Meriwether. It's, it's the time to get married. And I, I, I realized that with the dawning of spring here, there are more weddings coming. There is more... Uh, marrying going on in the land. But I, I think more than that, I think it is a marriage supper of the lamb moment for the body of Christ. He takes us through seasons, you know, and Jesus talks about uh, the difference between the wedding and the funeral. Um, personally, I've been in a funeral season for a long time. Uh, remember that dream you had about me in the funeral? Before John Edward moved up here to Kentucky, even before he lived with me, he had a powerful dream about my funeral. <laughs> and I have absolutely been in a funeral season. Um, and even in that, you know, I, there is always the truth that God is with us he is our joy. He is my joy. Um, so we can rejoice even in sorrow. But there's this element where God talks about in the Bible, weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. There is a season for everything. and Everything under heaven has a season. And there are times when it's more funeral-like, and there are times when it's more like dancing wedding celebration. And I think it's Meriwether, okay? I think... Uh, the funeral time is um, coming to an end, and it's time to put on your dancing shoes or, you know, your wedding shoes. It's time to rejoice. The, the Song of Songs talks about, uh, come away, the winter's over. I can hear the doves, the turtle doves. It's the time for singing is here. And... Um, in, I actually don't base that on anything that I'm feeling. Uh, I would like to feel more fluttery like that. But I, I just believe it. Uh, I believe it. And, and faith doesn't require feeling. Uh, I love it when faith gives us feeling. Um, but it doesn't require feeling. But I believe it is Meriwether. I believe it's time for us to get ready for Jesus, our bridegroom, to bring us closer than ever. There is, there is no closer um, two beings can come than the covenant of marriage. The two shall become one flesh. Um, and the, my first and most powerful dream came uh, when I was a student at Asbury during my last year there. And, um, and the dream 
culminated with me becoming one with Jesus. Um, and at that point, I didn't have like, you know, a Nick theology worked out in my head, like understanding all the, you know, uh, significance of God's relational, um, his marriage relationship to us. And so in the dream to me, it was weird. I was like, where is Jesus? He's like in my body. Like I, and I'm in his body and like, Nobody's saying anything out loud, but like Jesus and I are like totally flowing in like this nonstop conversation. And I'm like, it was offending me. Not like offending me like I was mad, but I was just like, this is not fair or right. This is not Christianity. This is not what I'm going for, going for. I was about a year into going hard after God. But um, now I believe that's absolutely the story of the scriptures is that he wants to come as close as close can be. He wants the two to become one. And um, the greatest promise uh, that I have had through a prophetic word, my greatest prophetic dream was that I'm going to be one with Jesus. Um, my greatest prophetic word actually came from surprise surprise John Kohlberg for that short time when he lived here in Wilmore and <laughs> the Lord used this statement to help me marry Karis and um, and he also used this to give my heart hope through this funeral season um, and so John spoke this to me what was it now 16 years ago it was like the beginning of spring, 2007. And <laughs> John was praying for me, and typical John fashion, he's just kind of quietly, and he goes, the Lord wants you to know he's going to marry you. And at this point in, in my life, um, Karis and I had been engaged for almost a year, we had been engaged uh, the previous spring in 2006, Good Friday, 2006. Um, but we had gone through the ringer, and by the end of 2006, by the fall of 2006, it was our relationship was done. And I remember venting and uh, processing with Michael. I'm like, for Karis and I to get married, it would take literally a miracle. Because she... She had totally lost all respect for me um, because I was doing the monk lifestyle and uh, she, she's a very discerning person. So I was like expressing myself verbally and like lifestyle-like as devoted to God as a person can do up to the point where I was not eating like only water. And when I would eat, it was just vegetable juice and dry bread. And when I got to treat myself, I'd heat the vegetable juice up, the V8 juice up. But I didn't want to do that too much because that's too, that's just too indulging too much. Okay. This was literally how I was living. So while I was like that, of course I couldn't marry. And I had to tell Karis, even though we were engaged, I was like, look, and this was true. I love you, I loved her more than anybody else on the earth. More than anybody. I did. I had more care and goodwill in my heart for her than any other human. But I was like, but that doesn't even hold a candle to Jesus. Like he said, forsake all. And Paul, my hero, said that, you know, I wish you guys wouldn't get married, but if you have to, you know, like, and I'm like, what? If you have, it's like, I don't need that. God. Um, so as I'm doing God, and Karis is seeing this, and she's like, that's not all God, you know, in her mind. And so and then Satan was trying to devour our relationship, and we didn't realize how much of a spiritual battle we were in. But basically, the relationship was dead, buried, like funeral pronounced dead. Karis giving the wedding ring back. Um, 
me telling, I was like, I, I can't marry. I, I, I'm married to God. I'm married to Jesus. Well, without going into this whole story, the Lord broke in and delivered me. I take responsibility. Although we both played our part in the wedge, I, I led in, in letting the enemy get a foothold. And the Lord delivered me and spoke to me in, in an instant. He delivered me like through laying hands on prayer at Karis' family's house. And the next morning, I woke up and the Lord spoke to me from a scripture and he breathed on it and was like, this is right now. And it's interesting because um, it was from Hosea. And the Lord spoke and said, just as I called Hosea to love Gomer, and it didn't make sense to him, so I'm calling you to love Karis. Now, now, oh, hold on. When I said just as, I, you know, Hosea loved Gomer, 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 um, Okay, look, there was no problem with Karis' faithfulness, all right? That's not it. The, <laughs> the, point was, the point was, it didn't make sense to Hosea. Like, he's like, this doesn't make sense to me as the priest to be, like, joined to someone who's playing the harlot. And to me, it didn't make sense when I'm supposed to be married to Jesus, and that's the way you can devote yourself, how could I marry someone else? And God spoke that morning and said, this is it. So I went up and told Karis. I didn't say the Hosea Gomer thing. <laughs> I, kept, I kept that to myself because things were very tenuous in, in between us. Not just like there was no marriage going to happen, um, but... At that point, we, we had actually spent the last two hours driving up to her parents' house in the car, didn't say one word. He, we had no, nothing to say to each other. And it wasn't because I was, she was mad at me uh, almost all the time back then. <laughs> but I, there was just nothing, there was like no common ground because the enemy had so just divided us. But I came up and said, you know what, even though it doesn't make sense to me, even though it, I still believe all I've believed about being consecrated to, to Jesus, and that's what he's done with my life, I know that he's calling for us to be married, and so I'm going to marry you. I'm in this. And she was not on the same page, and it takes two to get married, you know, <laughs> most of the time, um, at least happily. Uh, but it was months before she felt like I did. And so I, you know, was just faithful, loving her. And I remember, you know, talking with Michael and um, talking with some other people in my life. I felt the Lord calling me to love her like Jacob um, loved Rachel. And he worked for Laban for seven years, you know. So I was signing up. Because actually one of the things, like Karis, I think she was like kind of testing me out. And so was her family. Her, her, her parents, her Pennsylvania parents were like thinking this, this punk jock uh, basketball player who they were, first, they were suspicious of. Then they're like, wow, this guy loves Jesus so much. Yes, our daughter's found a great one. And then like, wait a second, he's a religious zealot now. And he's hurting our daughter's heart. He engaged her. They asked he asked for our daughter's hand in marriage, and now he's, like, trying to, like, go become a monk. And so I'm not in good standing with them again. <laughs> um, and so, but now they're thinking, I'm, I'm ready to marry her again. They're like, that Kentucky punk. And they're like, look, Karis has been down there in Kentucky and has gotten to know Travis's family all these years uh, in college. So it's time for Travis to come to Pennsylvania. And work the land. Literally, I literally worked her dad's land. Um, I, I literally, that was my job, uh, tilling the soil. Uh, <laughs> not really. I planted trees and dug up rocks and all kinds of stuff. I'm, I, don't, I don't have your skills, but it was, most of the trees I planted died. There's like one, my, my claim to fame, like, Dad, Miller, remember we planted that thing? 
But I was signed up in my heart. I was like, you know what? And I, I wasn't kidding. I was like, it wasn't a joke to me. I was like, okay. I, yes, sir, you said to marry her, and her parents and she are saying that I need to move to Pennsylvania. Yes, sir. I, I, I'm ready to do that and be there and work in her father's land for as long as it takes. So this was like the decision um, that was made that spring. And April comes, and uh, in the first part of April, as I'm, that's my mindset, and Karis, she's still like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to marry you. I don't, I, I don't know. I can only know if I know. I, I can only marry you if I know. And in the midst of that, that's when John prays for me and says, the Lord wants you to know he's going to marry you. And the way I, I took that um, firstly is like, all right, Jesus is going to marry me off to Karis. I'm like, yes. Um, now I have the word from God um, in my heart, and, I, I'm, and it's confirmed what he's already shown me. This is my wife, so the Lord wants you to know he's going to marry you. So I was locked in. Um, but then maybe the next day or two days, Karis told me, I know, I'm going to marry you. And um, I was like, praise the Lord. <laughs> um, and so in a couple days later, it was my dad's birthday, and, uh, you know, they had been through it all too with us, all the heartache and uh, my dad had, um, it was a mess. Um, and he, he one time chewed me out when I was in the midst of my monkness. He made sure we had some alone time together. He's like, son, you're about to throw away the best thing that's ever happened to you. Like talking about Karis. And he's like, if you're trying to live this John the Baptist lifestyle. And she's, this is supposed to be your wife. And he was right. But for his birthday that day, we gave him a card, and in the card was our first wedding invitation. Um, and it wasn't even, we didn't even have time to get real wedding invitations, but uh, we came up with a date and everything, and uh, we handed it to Dad, and uh, he started weeping um, at, at the table. It was a very special day. But um, the greater part of that promise um, was that Jesus is going to marry me, that we're going to be one. And hear me, we are already, he who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. We are one spirit simply because we've said yes to God's offer. But there is a word become flesh reality of that, where God brings to pass with his right arm, he enforces, he displays, he drives home the truth of us being one with Jesus. And that was my greatest dream. That's my greatest prophetic word. The greatest gift to my life has been uh, my marriage. And I believe that I'm a sign for us that Jesus is going to marry us. Jesus is going to bring us into union with him in a way that we will be summed up in him. And um, that is the hope that I speak over you. That's the hope that I'm holding out uh, in my own life. And um, I believe it's Meriwether. All right. Who else has something to say? Both of you guys. I was going to ask you if I could read the scripture. Please. Yes. My goodness. <laughs> Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers and the day I took them by hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, taking them by hand, walking down the highway. Took them by hand, led them out of Egypt. My covenant, which I broke, though 
was the husband to them. You have to die to break the covenant. God died. Jesus. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sins. I will remember no more. And I went into the basement during the uh, the music time. I don't know why. Just in the basement. I just feel the presence of the Lord so much down there. Um, and I was just walking around. I knew that the Lord wanted me to go down there. And I was like, you know, whatever. Like, let's do this. And, um, you know, I just saw that had a little Ten Commandments plaque over there. And I just walked up to it and read it. And as if it was flashing off the little thing, it was, Thou shalt not commit adultery. And I was just there repenting, like, oh my gosh, I just prostituted myself to every graven image out there. Like, I mean, sure, I haven't bowed down to a statue or totem pole, but all of the graven or working of my hands particularly my own righteousness. Mm-hmm. I've just been bowing down to that a lot. Um, and, you know, even with covetousness, it, in, in the New Testament it says that covetousness is idolatry. Um, anyways. So I'm just sitting there repenting over and over, tears in my eyes. I'm so done cheating on you. Like, I'm coming home with you. I'm going to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy and lay in bed with you all day. Um, and I came up, and I was only down there for seven minutes. And it felt like an eternity of like just being, like it says in Ephesians, like Jesus being the husband washing me in the water of his word. Like, I mean, I just felt so clean and restored and focused. And I was like, and I came up, and I was like, oh, it's got to be like over now. And it had only been seven minutes that I was <laughs> And so I was like, so I read that scripture during music and took some notes on it, and then all of that happened that the Holy Spirit just blew me down there like a kite. And I came back up and I was like, okay, I've got to read that scripture before the meeting ends. And I just knew that it would work out somehow. <laughs> um, and just... I wish it connected a little bit. <laughs> Thank you, John Edward. Yeah. 